Welcome to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. Through conversations with industry leaders and innovators, we uncover ways to simplify how patients and care teams navigate complex care delivery. Welcome everyone. My name is Matt Troop, a medical director at Memora Health and one of the co-hosts of the Care Delivery Podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Victor Waters. Victor, would you take a moment to introduce yourself? our listeners. Yes. Hello. Thank you, Matt, for uh, including me in this wonderful discussion. My name is Vic Waters, the Chief Medical Officer at St. Joseph Hospital Medical Center in Phoenix, Arizona. It's an academic medical center, part of Common Spirit. Awesome. I am excited to talk with you about a variety of topics today, but first and foremost, would just love to know what inspires the work that you do? What led you to, to where you are now? I've been in this business for about four decades. That's 40 years, believe it or not. And uh, since I was four or five, when they allowed child labor laws, I was out there. It's been a long, long time and I've seen healthcare transition, but it's rooted in the person, my family to ever go to college or med school to become a physician. It was rooted out of a need. I've seen my mother who passed away 30 years ago suffer. And I've always wanted to be a part of helping people like my mother. So that was a certain big driver for me. So I I was very active. Another small story, but it it had an impact for many, many years. I had heard the story of my grandfather who was traumatized. He was injured severely with life-threatening injuries in a farm accident. And he was left. He was just placed in a barn because at that time, there were no African-American hospitals to serve him and they would not dare take him to the local hospital that served only white patients. I really, growing up in the 60s, thought it was fabricated, didn't really believe it being a city boy. But, and as I grew up and recognized that was a real story and I never had the opportunity to know my grandfather, it had a major impact in terms of my passion for health equity. And my whole career has been passionate for people that may not be able to speak for themselves. That's including the veterans. That's including patients who have intellectual disabilities. And of course, the underserved community that I'm here in Phoenix now and others. Yeah, Victor, thank you for sharing that story with us. As you think about the challenges with health equity, where they've been, where we are now, have you seen enough progress in this area? Where can we still make uh, you know, a better impact? Uh, and then I'd love to touch on some of the initiatives that you're starting to lead. I think we've made strides, but we have a long way to go. I think that is highlighted with our obstetrical complications and maternal yeah. deaths and morbidities, meaning injuries in Black women in delivering babies and during their pregnancies, having serious complications. It is particularly high and concerning. Other areas have really come a long ways, particularly as we address cardiovascular disease or even stroke. But on the other end, there's preventative disease that we, preventative strategies that we still have to strive for to get underserved communities more aggressively served to prevent disease progression. We treat very well. We treat extremely well in the hospital system. But when you come to, can we keep them from coming to the hospital? Let's do a little better job than that. And that's, we have some work to do there. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, share that perspective. You mentioned to me 
before we started recording about some initiatives around chronic kidney disease that you're starting to pilot at your organization now. Can you talk the listeners through uh, kind of how that began and, and what early uh, success you're seeing? Yeah, I'm really excited about being selected. We have our system common spirit represent 142 hospitals and the CEO of our hospital, of our hospital system asked us to pilot health equity outreach to address chronic kidney disease and the proper screening. What we found early uh, that there is a race indicator that was used to determine how severe a patient's kidney disease is. And what was recently determined in the past three years was that race indicator falsely gave African-American patients in particular false sense of security that they were better or more normal than they should. Those numbers were not really accurate. And as a result, it created delays in care, delay in the specialist, and delay even in kidney transplant. And so those delays markedly harmed it, the community which needs it because the numbers of kidney disease of Black patients and Hispanic patients with kidney disease is remarkably high because of hypertension, because of diabetes, and other host of things. So we uh, were selected to pilot a community outreach. And I'm really excited about that because now we've been educating the community about the need for screening. We've actually launched a screening program. And we recently had a, we partook of a health equity foundation community drive and participated by screening volunteers to get their blood screened for a chronic disease. The other very important piece is we are contracted with many different reference laboratories. And those are laboratories that actually draw blood for our patients, usually outpatients. We've referenced out those reference laboratories uh, have taken out the race calculator to make it more accurate. And basically 100% of our our laboratory do not print out those type of lab results anymore that show the differences in uh, between the average community or the white community and the black patients. And so that is very important to happen. And of course, we've been involved in educating physicians. I've been part of Grand Rounds nationally for that reason and in being promoting this for our community. So it's been a wonderful program to make a difference. And people are really recognizing that kidney disease is a silent killer. I have it. I have chronic kidney disease. And but not for early detection and early care of my basic medical problems, you know, I would be going down the path of hemodialysis. And so I take it very personally as well as professionally. So I appreciate you sharing that perspective. It's so important for, for us as clinicians to think about how far up upstream we can go to prevent disease, prevent illness, ensure that we're screening the population appropriately. As you've thought about these initiatives over the course of your career, how have you, in what ways should we, maybe it's a better way to phrase the question, build better trust with the populations around us, especially with those that are you know, in more underserved areas? How can we rebuild trust that the health system and the clinicians that are a part of the health system really do care about, you know, the, the full human-centered care design? You know, great question. And it, it starts at the top. 
It starts at impactful leadership that recognizes that there is a need and should be an intention. And for example, you, you have interpreters at our hospital. Not all hospitals have interpreters for fundamental Spanish. And I can't tell you how many times patients are misunderstood through other, you know, through trying to understand just the basic language and not using interpreters. It creates a major risk. It creates longer length of stays and unnecessary tests because they haven't properly communicated with the community and those patients that represent the community. So it, that's a typical example that if leadership at the top recognizes that has committed to health equity issues and making sure that populations are getting the needs they met, their needs that they need at that time for their yeah. care, that's what makes a difference. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there must and needs to be more diversification of our leadership to drive that change. In most other industries that are diversified, it really brings value to the services that they're rendering. And two, in the hospital uh, and healthcare setting. I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's that diversity of thought and understanding that allows you to anticipate, you know, the barriers that might exist, especially as we think about social determinants of health or language barriers that could really impact clinical outcomes if we are anticipating them. Where have you seen good examples of other innovative processes or technological solutions that have maybe catalyzed some of this difference in thinking around access and equity? I think with Common Spirit, we have scheduling systems that really provide greater access to care. And so that's a very important, we have course challenges with providers and making sure we have enough providers, but the scheduling and access to care through scheduling is a very important feature and, and need. So making sure our schedulers are trained, are responsive, and they can get yeah. them into these appointments at the right time, the right place. What we deal with here in the hospital, I'm sure you're familiar with, is readmission. And yeah. we are accountable for readmissions from a certain point in time. So a patient comes back to the hospital within a week, that's on us. That means that we didn't do our job to make sure there was a proper handoff, much like a baton passing that baton. You drop the baton, you don't win. The patient doesn't win if there isn't a proper handoff. So I think we have done better and better in synthesizing our outpatient, our inpatient, our long-term care. We have so much more to improve, but we've come a long ways with a complex system as large as we are. And even with our own neighboring Common Spirit Health, Dignity Health facilities, we communicate more to provide the continuity of care. That's, and I guess you know that well, that term well. The continuity of care is so critical in good patient care, patient satisfaction, and patient safety. And that's a lot of what we're, our core philosophy at Memorial Health is all around. How can we better support patients through the longitudinal uh, journey that they experience when they have chronic kidney disease or any other you know, long-term chronic illness. And that continuity of care is so important to account for all those different checkpoints and milestones along, along the journey. I know you've, you've had some opportunities to, to work in res residence, graduate medical education. Yeah. As you think about bringing this new batch of clinicians into the, the workforce and, you know, getting an opportunity to teach them and guide them as they, as they become now healthcare practitioners. 
how do you think about passing down this, these health equity initiatives and new thoughts and better ways to understand how to care for patients? Oh, that's again, just a wonderful question. About six or seven years ago, Common Spirit initiated uh, something we call high reliability organization. It's about educating all staff, not just the physician staff and residents, but I'm going to focus on them too, about creating a culture of safety. My mission has been to train the physicians of this change in culture and the residents and fellows. So I have, I teach the residents and fellows here, including we have Fellows Neurologic Institute, that's part of Common Spirit, neurosurgery, residents, very high-end, very brilliant of, of residents. And yet they receive this well because this is the most important piece is how to communicate with people, how to listen. Fundamentals, I mean, I'm in the sport. It's the fundamentals that sometimes we lose. We, we are so ingrained in the technology. You're so ingrained in looking at the screen that you lose engagement with the yeah. patient. And to me, if there's anything I can pass down is the balance of making sure the parent, the patient and staff feel that they are heard and they're respected. And as much as you see, there's a wide, I mean, you go into medicine is that, and even to our APPs, our physician assistants, our nurse practitioners, there's a wide gap in terms of the, you have the physician who's trained and residency trained and fellowship trained. And then you have the nurses or the APPs, the, the physician assistants, as you can, you know, and those relationships are key. Yeah. So the, the important thing I element I teach is we have to do away with what was happening in my day. I'm the doctor. I know what's best. You don't tell me what I already know. That culture has to change. It's about teamwork. It's about listening and respecting everybody's viewpoint. And that leads to a healthy environment and leads to doctors and residents listening better to anyone of different cultures, of different nationalities, ethnicities, beliefs. I've been passionate about people getting to know each other when I'm at meetings. I'm always getting people to know how many similarities there are, even though there may be differences in their culture. I certainly come up from an array of backgrounds and I were to appreciate that and value that. Oh, I love that, Dr. Waters. I <laughs> am happy and confident in the new batch of residents coming out of your organization, given you know your passion for uh, really understanding the human connection that happens in healthcare. Both, I think, between the provider and the patient. And then, like you said, between providers as well, it's important to see each other as, you know, the human and how you work as part of a system. Pivoting slightly, I would love to know, as you think about opportunities for your health system and the work that you're doing to continue to optimize the, the patient experience that happens as patients walk through your, into your hospitals, do you ever look for inspiration outside of healthcare? Have you applied any, you know, outside initiatives that, you know, have worked well in under other industries as you think about optimizing the patient experience in healthcare? In my role here at St. Joe's, no, but in within Common Spirit, yes. We've actually made a visit and had a speaker at Disney World. That's the one in California, I believe. It's Disney World and Florida. It's Disney World, I believe, yeah. The, and the one here and the one in California is Disney 
Disneyland. Yes. The computer, I don't go to them often. But we had a special meeting with the CEO uh, at Disneyland to, to give us insights of their best practice. How do they train and, and have such high customer satisfaction? Yeah. And there were techniques that they'd done, for example, each admission button that was worn by a client had a color and it, that color code told them whether it was their birthday, whether it's mm. a special occasion, and then they would have their name and people would approach and say, happy birthday, and, and made it very personal. You know, that's just a, a typical of example of what they did to, to make their experience more worthwhile. And though young, they were very, very efficient in managing such high volume and keeping everybody happy is not such an easy thing to do. Right. So I think there was a learning experience from that. And I, I really enjoyed it. I still take home some of the ideas from that. Such a good example, because I, I think it's easy, and especially for new clinicians, when, you know, you finally get into practice and there's the, the stress and, you know, the number of patients you have on your roster that you have to see, you can easily start to, you know, miss that there's actual human sitting in that bed, right? Or sitting in that chair. And you can lose sight of uh, some, you know, someone's birthday, right? As you're seeing a patient, are you acknowledging that their birthday might be today? Uh, and kind of lastly here, as we, as we start to wrap up, I would just love to know, as you think about the industry as a whole and, you know, how your journey has changed over the last four decades, what excites you most about healthcare right now? Potential of integrating AI and technology in a way that really benefits our healthcare team yeah. to communicate better. Because it's amazing how we have all of the new technology text, and yet we still fail to communicate effectively. I find that that's 90% of my job is due to lack of communication. And I think those fundamental soft skill sets added with the technology can really benefit. We have these secure messaging systems that have really helped improve, but again, get the buy-in and make that a standard to, to have a standard where it's not just the hospital, it's the community, it, mm -hmm. it's the system, the local area, so that we're not siloed for competing with our competitors. I think there needs to be less of that. And Common Spirit does reach out and partner with so many. We've partnered with Morehouse, for example, with equity uh, challenges and trying to promote more physicians, the African-American physicians into healthcare and create programs. I'm faculty at Creighton Medical School, mm -hmm. School of Medicine. They have two campuses, one in Nebraska and one here in Phoenix. We are partnering with Morehouse to have them have clerkships. Those are those excite me. And it's all interlinked too to the ability to have technology to assist us in boarding students in care of delivery of patients and communicating securely patient issues faithfully and effectively. And that's what my vision is, is to see the tightening of communication does nothing but benefit. And also the patient to be more empowered to yeah. know what's going on with them. Those yeah, things like me. Yeah. At the end of the day, communication is everything in healthcare, right? It's all, yeah. We're all telling stories and we're all trying to optimize for communication. And, you know, but more a part of my personal philosophy is giving patients that empowerment to yes. you know, communicate in the ways they need to and, 
and certainly advocate for themselves. So yeah. I love everything you're doing, Dr. Waters. Thank you. You know, the, your, your passion for, for healthcare, your passion for equity and improving access is, yeah, is admirable. And I'm excited to watch what happens next. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for giving me time to share a little bit. Yeah, of course. Until next time, Dr. Waters, uh, it was great to chat with you. Great to chat with you too. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. For more ideas on simplifying complex care for care teams and patients, visit memorahealth.com.